following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. This evening's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 9, beginning to read at verse 27. Jesus heals the blind man and the mute. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him, and he asked him, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord. They replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him over all that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening everyone. It's great to be with you. Even though we are separated by screens, here we are in the presence of God. So let us pray together. Father God, may I speak. Through the power of your Holy Spirit. In words that come from you and reach into our hearts. Amen. Changes. Justin Bieber, in his track of the same name, rather obviously sang that people change, circumstances change, but God always remains the same. Well, preach it, brother. In 1971, David Bowie, in his track of the same name, encouraged us to turn and face the strange. The FA, in its desire to bring indisputable proof rather than individual interpretation to the beautiful game, introduced a change that has remained controversial. It introduced video assistant refereeing. I sense through the screen a slight sharp intake of breath from sceptical football fans. These three slightly eclectic examples of the ways in which we try to respond to change and the unpredictability of it and how we take other people along with us come into play through our three sets of witnesses in our Bible reading this evening. Following on from last week, 
Tonight's Bible reading is another story of Jesus healing people. These healings are the last of a series that Matthew chooses to share to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is made manifest through Christ. Matthew is very concerned with proof. He has spent the beginning of his gospel explaining and emphasizing the lineage of Jesus, his royal heritage, that this is just as the prophets predicted. As in Jeremiah 33, David, as in Israel's most successful king, will never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And these miracle stories that have followed are to confirm experientially what Matthew has been explaining historically. The kingdom of God is at hand and here are the signs and wonders to prove that Jesus is the king. So we have three groups of witnesses this evening. Let's begin with our two blind men. Again, Matthew is proving his point. Jewish law requires two witnesses for a charge to stand. Hence, Matthew often tells his stories in pairs. Two men, two healings. Because there are two, it's a story worth the hearing. Jesus is on his way from one place to another place because this is what Jesus does. And when Jesus walks from one place to another place, he makes sure two things happen. Firstly, he is never late. Secondly, he allows himself to be interrupted. Tereiro drew our attention to this interruptible tendency last week provoking us to consider whether we allow ourselves to be interrupted by someone in need in the way that Jesus does. Tim and I have a 30 year disagreement about the speed at which a walk should be undertaken. I never seem to have left my nurse training behind that dictated fast, purposeful walks always carrying something and every step being as efficient as possible. Tim, with the very long legs, considers a walk to be a meander, a bimble, a slow look around to see what's going on. Somewhere between these two extremes, Jesus appears to have a happy medium. He's always on the move, but never in a hurry. Every journey has purpose, but every journey is interruptible in a way that makes Jesus appear as though he's turned up at precisely the right time. Having heard the news of miraculous healings and a girl being raised from the dead are two blind men are in hot pursuit of Jesus, who of course allows himself to be interrupted, which means they were always 
going to find him. Now that's a reassuring thought, isn't it? The prophet Jeremiah tells the people of Israel in chapter 29, verse 13, if you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. The Lord wants us to find him. They may not be able to physically see, but from everything the blind men have heard, they recognise Jesus has to be the son of David and the Lord. They know enough of their scriptures to put all the clues together and they see in their hearts or their mind's eye or with spiritual insight, however you want to phrase it. These men understand that Jesus is the only one who can change them from blind to seeing the only one who can transform their futures. And it's with that grain of faith that they run Jesus down, calling to him until he stops. Son of David, yes, Lord, we believe you can heal us. Jesus will always allow himself to be interrupted but he is not a traveling entertainer. He has the power to heal, to heal them of their blindness, but he chooses to act in response to their faith. Later chapter 13 tells of a visit to Nazareth, his hometown in which Jesus could do very few miracles because of the unbelief of the people. Power and faith together in combination induces Jesus to stop and act. Simple, yes? There are times when the Justin Bieber in us is sorely tested. We know in the midst of change, God is steadfast and faithful. But there are times we need the simple reminders. These two men don't take a complicated view. They don't debate on the way whether they're worthy, whether God knows who they are, whether they need to ask Jesus to quote scripture to them first, whether arriving hot and sweaty is a suitable way to approach the king. No, they have heard this man Jesus brings change wherever he goes and so they believe they ask and they receive. Then Jesus does a really surprising thing. He sternly orders them, see that no one knows of this. Why is Jesus telling the men to hide their sight from those who can see, effectively keeping everyone else in the dark? Well, Maybe Jesus wanted to keep moving and therefore didn't need a crowd to form. Maybe he was aware of the opposition that was around from religious leaders, so he was trying to protect the men. Maybe in his compassion, 
he thought the men should just get used to seeing again and adapt to the changes. I actually don't think it matters too much. What interests me here is that in their joyous freedom and the wonder of being able to see, they completely ignore his stern order. The consequence of this is that more people come looking for Jesus. The power of God at work is like an unstoppable wave. There is no containing it. People will recognise it and they will come looking for it. Jesus never late is always interruptible and is uncontainable. Let's go to our next bunch of witnesses. I don't know about you, but I would never want to be the sort of person that, a bit like an animal in a zoo, people turn up to gawp at. But the text gives us the impression that the mute demoniac is such a person. For a start, there's that terrible label. How awful to be known by what possesses you or represses you, by what you can't do or be. To be known by your illness rather than who you are. Then there's the fact that he cannot bring himself. He has to have people bring him to Jesus. Such a picture of helplessness and yet he has people around him who care enough, have enough compassion to bring him to Jesus on his behalf. This time, the faith of others is sufficient. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. And sometimes our faith is weak. It's why we're a people of faith more than we are individuals of faith. We need each other. We need to bring each other continually into the presence of God. We can be rubbish at acting independently. We can become too attached to what ails us. So that it's become a part of us. We've forgotten that we are more than the label or the load we carry. But when Jesus meets this person who was helpless and without a voice, the situation is turned around. He now has a voice. What a turnaround. No wonder the crowd were amazed, astonished. Jesus has enabled them to turn and face the strange, to discover that there is another way, another way of being, a way that is much more life-giving than what could previously be imagined. Jesus is described later as having compassion on the crowd because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion is a missing element in our final set of witnesses, the Pharisees. 
They're like referees. They've learned the rules. They know what each player should do. And they enjoy the power and authority that goes with the black shirt and the blow of a whistle. The outcome of the game is swayed by their interpretation of those rules and the run of play. Am I saying that God is the divine equivalent of VAR? Well, let's not stretch the metaphor too far. The ones who claim the position of shepherds are keeping their sheep trapped in the same old field. No fresh thinking here, please. The ones who have studied the scriptures, poured over the prophets, assume the voice of the people, yet when they speak, show themselves to be as blind as can be. No wonder Matthew lets them be hung by the miserly rope of their own scepticism. In contrast, what a different kind of a leader Jesus is. He halts his journey for just two men who can't see because he is full of mercy. He stays and waits for one helpless soul who needs freedom because he is full of compassion. He woos the crowd because they are lost and he wants them to find him. He allows his power and authority to speak for him through signs and wonders when he knows words will be dismissed as fake news. Now, whether we are full of faith or incapacitated, whether we embrace change and run to share it with others, or whether we need to be turned around and made to face into the strange. Whether we're scared and skeptical and still standing on the sidelines, offering the same old thing because we can't imagine anything better. The kingdom of God is here and the power of God is at work and Jesus is on the move. In the midst of all the changes that have been forced upon us during this year and all the horribleness of an illness we're trying to understand in order to treat effectively, the church has been forced to ask questions of herself, to stop and wait and listen, to re-examine the evidence hold the tension between conserving what we know and hold dear with the possibilities and the new ways of being church that are emerging. The challenge for us today comes in the form of refinement. As God holds us in this testing fire and burns off the old dross and polish, do we have eyes to see the changes he is bringing? Do we have the compassion and the courage to give a voice to the helpless? Do we want to pursue 
and trust the Good Shepherd who always leads us to fresh pasture. Jesus invites us in to find him, to interrupt him, to ask him for what we need and to seek his way, his truth and his life. Let's pray. King Jesus, forgive us our doubts, our scepticism, our reluctance to see you afresh and help us to turn to you again in faith, to trust your leading, your ways and your goodness. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.